Fresh Air production. Hello and welcome to Fresh Ears. My name is Neil Cowling. I'm the founder of Fresh Air Production and we make podcasts. In fact, we're the leading producer of podcasts for brands in the UK. Now, five years ago when we started out, you could fit the entire podcast industry into a small family car and then it all went mad. And at the end of May 2022, there was the podcast show. All of a sudden, the podcast industry is huge and thriving and booming and it filled the Business Design Centre in Islington with live shows and demonstrations and networking and talks for two whole days. If you went, you'll have seen our massive stand and maybe even come to one of our presentations. And as we were there, we thought we'd turn our brilliant senior producer, Izzy Clark, into a roving reporter so that she could speak to some of the movers and shakers in the podcasting world. That's what she did. Izzy donned her Fresh Air branded t-shirt and grabbed the best people she could find to get insights on the state of this manic industry. This episode of Fresh Ears is the result. Now, Izzy's first target was Kel Spellman, activist, actor and presenter of Call of the Wild for WWF. He'd just come off stage from one of our sessions, which was handy. Kel Spellman is here. He's just come off his uh, Meet the Creators chat with Fresh Air. How was it? It was class. It was so nice too. Izzy Clark is here, everybody. <laughs> really, really lovely. You know, I, I said to Neil, actually, as well, you know, it's just um, really nice to kind of do something to, to represent Fresh Air. And it was, um, it was really lovely. I actually found it kind of, I think, really, really informative and really insightful. I think it went well. Yeah. I hope it did. Yeah, no, it went really well. It's quite mad that we are stood in the centre of the Business Design Centre everything is all all podcasts Mm. when you started call of the wild did you ever think it would be part of a bigger community like this no not at all i also don't think i was privy to actually how big of a community the podcast community is i think i knew it was a growing you know growing space and a growing industry which is also why we kind of we started making the podcast but when you actually come here and guys honestly it's in like almost like a how would you describe it? It's almost a bit like an airport hangar in a way, isn't it? But it goes all the way back. And you actually do get a sense of just how big this world is and that it is still growing and actually the the interest in it is, well, I think is more more bigger than ever. So, um, yeah, I think then to have just a tiny little, like, tiny, tiny, minute, minuscule part of it with Call of the Wild is super cool. I think it just enforces that we were right to absolutely do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so you are someone who lives and breathes the environment and protecting our planet and the fight for it. Why is podcasting the medium for you to do that? Do you know what? I think a number of reasons. I think, you know, there's the, which I'm sure the more WWF side of it is, you know, for the demographic and target audience that we were trying to... um, you know, hit, which is kind of, you know, around my age, a little bit younger than teens, they are now consuming their media in a completely different way. One of them ways being a podcast. So I think, first of all, that was an amazing, like, avenue for us to explore, to not just bring, like, already supports of WWF or those in the environment and climate space, but those from outside of it as well. But I think for me as well, you know, I love audio. I know, you know, I did a bit on radio. There is something so disarming about a microphone that I think it's the perfect space to navigate this conversation because when you're talking about climate change and the environment, it can be very overwhelming and it can be very negative. With the podcast, we're setting out to do it a little bit differently, but we're able to have those difficult conversations and also conversations with people you might not necessarily have thought want to speak in this space. I don't think we'd have got that had it been in a visual format. So the podcast kind of works an absolute treat and, 
you know, the way we piece it all together, well, the way that you brilliant guys piece it all together, I think it perfectly suits that format rather than a visual or, or something else, I think. Kel is wonderful and Izzy loves him. Can you tell? Now, if you know the audio industry at all, you know Matt Deegan. You've probably read one of his blogs. He was next on Izzy's target list. My name's Matt Deegan. I run the British Podcast Awards uh, here in the UK. I also have a children's radio network and podcast network of Call Fun Kids and do a few other bits and bobs around radio and audio. Yes, I think you, when I saw you, I just nabbed you out of the crowd and I was like, Matt Deegan, he has his finger on the pulse of everything podcast and radio. So for you, why are you here at the podcast show? What's exciting about this? I think what's interesting is that the sector's growing uh, and developing. I think we've had two years of good growth, but during coronavirus, where people haven't got to the chance to meet each other. We definitely see this at the British Podcast Awards, and we had this last, we had a, an in-person event last year, which lots of people came up to me and said, I've met my colleagues for the first time because I was onboarded over, over lockdown. I think it's similar here. You know, there aren't many opportunities to, to bring people together, and also there's quite a lot of international people in town, which is just good, good for the sector, and it's, you know, it's growing up. There's going to be more of these sorts of events from lots of different people, and that's great. That's really good for, for podcasting. So this is an industry that is evolving and growing, and it is so exciting. What, for you, what does it tell you about the health of this industry? So I'm a fan of listeners. Anything I've ever done, radio, audio, podcasts, you know, I'm, really, I'm always excited by making something that listeners want to consume, and that can be broadcast radio or it can be podcasts. And uh, that's the great opportunity, isn't it? You know, to make stuff that touches people in their lives, helps them, educates them, just to laugh, whatever, whatever mood state you're trying to enable from somebody. And I think you know, on-demand audio and podcasts, you know, that it's a singular listen quite often. You know, a podcast is in your headphones, in your head. You're not sharing that with someone else. And so you pick something that speaks to you. It's not like Radio 2 in the office where, hey, it's the station we can all agree on. You know, if I want to listen to a pig farming podcast in my tractor because I'm a pig farmer, I will. Uh, if I've got a certain sport that I like, you've, you've got that route. And where we've got to now in the sector, about a quarter of the country listen to podcasts in a week, which is yeah, really impressive. Still a long way to go. And the opportunity is to to make stuff that satisfies listeners. Obviously, make a buck or two. I think that's the other thing. People developing their business models. You've got big operators like your Spotify's and your Amazons with a lot of cash spent in a certain way, a lot of investment in smaller operations. And then other people, the talent that are taking control of their own lives and having a lovely time doing it. So there's a, there's a lot of disruption around how traditional media happens. We know this YouTube podcast, everything like that. And for podcasting, it's about working out what those sort of future solutions are to build businesses. Have you seen any key changes over the past few years? Because I think with the pandemic, that probably changed how we listen to things as well, maybe the amount that we're consuming. You know, what impact do you think the past few years have had? And yeah, what are the key changes that you've seen? So the pandemic has accelerated people's changes in how they consume media uh, because they've been in a different environment. So when you do the same thing every day, day in, day out, you know, I wait, my alarm goes off at seven, I put Greg James on from Radio 1, I then scroll Twitter, then I get in the shower and I've got to be in by 7.13 because I'm not in by 7.13, I'm not out, so I can then get in the car or go to the tube or whatever and get, get into work. And so we live regimented lives, whereas in lockdown, especially and now as well, where most people are 
especially media, element of working from home, you have multiple lifestyles. Like, oh, it's today, so I'm up at eight o'clock, so I don't have to you know, crawl into London, Manchester, or wherever. And that means actually I have a different radio channel on, or I listen to a podcast because I'm on my own. It's just me and the dog, or, or whatever it might be. So I think it's let people sample more stuff because they've had more more media time to do that, and then they've banked some of that experience for when they perhaps return to their old lives. With a Fun Kids hat on, we saw a huge amount of Fun Kids consumption over lockdown. One of the worst bits about Fun Kids is those bloody kids go to school every day, which means they don't listen to Fun Kids. Whereas what it meant we could do was have kids listening all the time, and we've kept a lot of that audience post-pandemic because they've changed their behavior and I think the same with podcasting too people discover new shows have time to discover new shows and maybe expand the amount of time they're allocated to podcasts and do you think there are any gaps in the industry do you think there's some people are doing something really well or you'd love to see something that no one's quite tapped into yet to my take is people are wasting way too much time on talent-led podcasts you know big names because if you're not that big name and you're the producer or the production company or the broadcaster, you will never make any money from that because they will be able to get a slightly better deal from someone else every single time, as they should do. You know, that's their, their talent is their life. So if you're in the business of, of turning talent into podcasts, you're in a crappy business. If, though, you're creating new ideas and IP and concepts and brands and formats that might have a talent involved, but if that talent disappears, the format still survives. That is a much better place, I think, to be in. And also there's way more opportunities with telly and Netflix and film and all of that side. So um, concentrate on IP and ideas, less about shiny person off the telly or that Instagrammer with two million followers, because you will never make your fortune from their fame. Excuse me while I rip up that plan for a new interview podcast with H from Steps. Anyway, very, very wise words from Matt. On to Megan Carver, the lady who gets podcasters on the telly. Hello, I'm Megan Carver. I'm the founder and MD of Carver PR. So tell me about Carver PR. What do they do? Carver PR is one of the UK's leading entertainment PR companies. We work on four divisions. So we have a talent division, we have a music division, we have an events division, and we have our podcast division. Um, So you're currently sat in our lovely Carver PR podcast stand, which on the walls has got images of all the different podcasts that we work on, as well as some of our huge front cover moments from Komodo Mayo to Annie Mac to Rylan to Ian Wright on Pop Bible. I mean, I'm very pleased because I produce Call of the Wild and it's hovering over my shoulder. I love that. I mean, Carver PR were great when you wanted to make some noise about Call of the Wild. Yeah, thank you for saying that. We really love working on that programme. So my background is I was a radio producer. I was at Radio 1 for 10 years. So I'm a complete radio geek. I love it. And I'm a podcast geek. And I've loved podcasts forever and a day. About... Eight years ago, I was like, why are people not talking in the media enough about podcasts, just as it kind of coincided with me setting up Carver PR? And no PR companies are doing it, so I thought, right, well, I'm just going to PR podcast then. And no one really had much, many budgets, really, for, for PR. And no one really knew how to do it. 
the way I approach it and, and the way our entire team approach it is that a lot of people go, oh yeah, we can PR podcasts and this is what we're going to do and they'll literally have a tick box exercise. I refute that, I throw it out the window. We are entertainment specialists. Every single podcast is an entertainment offering in its own right. You would never take a music artist. You wouldn't go into Sony and be like, hey, all of your artists, this is exactly how I'm going to PR them and do it all the same. You just wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it with books. You certainly you wouldn't do it with films. Yet people do it with podcasts or think they can. So we don't. I'm totally driven by success. I want everything to be huge. I want to create superstars. I want to create moments that matter. I want to... I want to create stars and people that resonate and that people love. What is that process for you? You've got a new, I get, as you say, it depends on the podcast, right. but you've got a new client. What is that process to be like, right, we're going to make some noise, we're going to get your name out there. What do you do? Okay, so um, if you came to me and you were like, right, here's my new podcast, I would say, fantastic. Let's look at who you think your audience for this is and just check that we're all really aligned on this. Because if your audience that you think you're aiming at is not going to be aligned with what the media audience is going to be, then we're already in a probably a bit of a juxtaposition. So I have really compassionately honest conversations. You know, so much of this industry, people go, let's be brutally honest. I'm like, why? Let's just be compassionate about it, you know? So... We'll have a really lovely conversation where I'll say, what actually is, is, is this podcast? Who, who's it going to resonate with? We really understand audiences. We've got a load of data about audiences. We don't live in the media bubble that lots of people live in with, with, with audiences. So we'll then sit down and go, right, this, this is who we want to target this at. This is, this is where we think we can make the most impact. And we'll then create a PR strategy around that and we'll always make sure it includes broadcast and it includes radio it includes other podcasts and being on other podcasts because of course if you're on the medium you're much more likely to then be like oh I'll go and download and listen to that podcast we'll make sure it's in print we'll make sure it's in reviews we'll make sure it's in roundups we'll make sure people are talking about it yeah I mean I think our lovely little clip of David Attenborough ended up being everywhere I've never seen anything like it <laughs> You know what, we were so proud and we loved working with you because I think the other thing that's worth saying is, you know, the world of entertainment can have real meaning and can make a real difference. And, and we know that, but sometimes we just think of it as kind of a bit shiny and just a bit celebrity focused. And I love doing Call of the Wild because Kel Spellman was just so passionate and such a delight to work with. He looks so great. He loves doing really interesting shoot so we were able to get really amazing kind of front covers of him looking fantastic and we've got David Attenborough who needs no big ups from me do you know what I mean so we get those words we, we got his words everywhere and and we consistently kept that going with that podcast so I was really proud and that's what we have to do you can't just have a flurry you've got to keep it going you've got to keep it going and so final few questions from me what do you think the future has in store you know where do you think this industry is going Oh, it's, it's going bigger and bigger and bigger. We will see more podcasts becoming TV shows. Absolutely. We've seen some of those already. Modern Love, really good example. We will absolutely see more than that. We'll, we'll see more subscription services coming through. Sony today announced their binge, which is kind of... Um, Essentially, you'll be able to put everything together for subscription. Instead of having to listen once a week to a big story, you can just binge the whole lot. So that, that model is going to start growing. We're going to see more and more brands wanting to make podcasts. And I think they'll be trying to find new creative ways and storytelling to do that. Final question for me is, what are some of your favourite podcasts? I think my favourite episode of any podcast of all time, and I recommend it to everybody, is Heavyweight. 
is episode two. It's called Gregor. 20 years ago, Gregor lent some CDs to a musician friend. The CDs helped make him a famous rock star. And now Gregor wants his CDs back. You love it. Only a podcast could tell that story. It is phenomenal. And, I mean, the, it is a household rock star. You've all heard of him. They track him down. They go to his house. They try to get his CDs back. It's so good. It's so good. All of Heavyweight is beautiful and funny. And he's so annoying to his best friend, and I love it. <laughs> it's one of my favourite podcasts, so Isn't I think it? that's an excellent show. Oh, I love that. Listen to Heavyweight, or both those ladies will be very disappointed. You couldn't miss the BBC at the podcast show, and pretty much any other show. The main man behind their audio lab is Kalik Mir, or as he would say himself... My name is Kalik Mir, and I am the commissioning executive for BBC Sounds Audio Lab. For BBC Sounds, you know, what are the trends that you've been seeing for the past year or so when it comes to podcasting? It's interesting, isn't it? And I think trends are great... But I'm, but, I, but I'm not convinced that we're in a space that can predict podcast trends with any certainty. And I say that because it's such, it's such an evolving and growing space. It's still experimental in many ways. There's such a range of content and styles and purposes of podcasts. If you're going to press me on it, I would say it's very clear that organisations and spaces that haven't traditionally engaged with podcasts or felt that podcasts was something for them are now very much thinking about it. So I'm talking about branded content because that allows companies that but that don't aren't in audio or content to demonstrate a new part of their personality and through that engage with a whole new potential customer base or audience in ways that they might not be doing right now. So I think branded content is uh, really interesting and and also no longer a dirty word, if it ever was. And then particularly in, uh, mixing genres and experimenting with, 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 with genres, almost creating new genres because I think within podcasts, and storytelling, we're still very much working to, and at times being led by, traditional radio and audio genres that are seen as the uh, pinnacle of uh, the audio industry. And I think, you know, Audio Lab is one of a number of spaces in our industry and in our sector that is allowing emerging creatives and uh, producers to find new voices, spotlight new talent, and create f- fresh perspectives in ways that we all need to do to better reflect the audiences that we serve. Like many people in the podcast industry, the BBC worked closely with Acast. So Izzy spoke to them. Well, she spoke to Daps from Acast. My name is Dapo Olowu, or you can call me Daps. I'm a key account manager over at Acast. Okay, so why are ACAST here today? ACAST are here today because we are one of the largest, if not the largest, platform for podcasts in the UK and across the globe. And we're just here so we can kind of talk to every side of the podcast market and kind of industry and also all the players that are are kind of interested in either making a podcast, monetizing a podcast, marketing a podcast, distributing a podcast, etc. So we're just here to kind of talk and meet and greet and say hi. 
Yeah, because, I mean, we sat here on like a sort of little balcony that overlooks all these other stands. There are so many people here. And I think this just shows that this is an industry that is constantly evolving. Seeing the podcast show, you know, what does that tell you about the health of the industry? Well, I'll tell you what. The health of the industry is great and it's only getting better. I've been at ACAR for three years and I've been in the podcast industry for five years. And throughout time, I've seen us grow from, you know, a few people here and there hearing what a podcast is and going to agencies and clients and people and asking who listens to podcasts and only one, one hand in a group of 50 having their hand raised to now I'm going to a place where not only is everyone lifting their hands up, they're telling me what their favorite shows are. So it is great to see the growth of the industry in the last few years. It's great to see kind of the, the, the industry thrive and kind of grow into different directions as well. So that it's very healthy, yeah. <laughs> is what I can say. Yeah. Do you think there are gaps in the market? And if so, where, where are they? What do you think they are? Ooh, that's a very good question because the thing about podcasting and why people love it so much and why it's grown so much is that it's such a low barrier to entry so anyone with a microphone can pick one up and start making a podcast but I would say in terms of a gap in the market I'd say there's still a gap in the market for there's a lot of podcasts dedicated to say you know Gen Z and kind of younger younger listeners but I feel like a lot of brands don't necessarily know how to work with them as well as they do with more kind of much more um, legacy shows for instance a lot of brands are happy to kind of work with the same old shows that provide scale, but aren't necessarily going to take the risk to work with a smaller show that may have a smaller audience, but a more, much more of an engaged one. So, you know, you might have a, a mass market podcast that hits 700,000 listeners, but instead, why don't you look into the podcast that hits maybe 10,000, but have such an engaged core audience that hinge on every single word of that podcast host, you'll, you'll see just as good results with them if you work with them. Final question, hardest okay. one. What are you listening to at the moment? What am I listening to at the moment? Can I say a few or do I have to do one? Oh, wonderful. Perfect. Okay, so my all-time favorite podcast is one called Case File, True Crime. I'm quite big into true crime, so I'm quite interested in that. However, one that I am interested in is one called Touchline Fracas. It's a group group of guys talking about football, which is brilliant. And I'd say my last one uh, would be Swindled, which is, again, kind of true crime, but it's much more for white-collar crime. I think it's really cool. Nothing cooler than white-collar crime. Now then, you might have heard of this next lot. They're called Spotify. Hi, I'm Chelsea Babri. I'm from Spotify. I head up UK publisher partnerships for Megaphone. I mean, you have a lovely big Spotify stand we do. here. I'm very impressed with it, actually. It looks great. Very pleased. There's lots of juice and coffees and wine when the time is right so very good i'll pop back later um so you know let's look at the big picture here you know why is spotify at the podcast show it seems like a silly question but you know (laughs) no it's a good question i mean we've all been at home for two years and i think that i didn't know actually what to expect when this was all being planned and i think one of the most amazing things that i've seen and i think why spotify has such a big presence here is because podcasts are so accessible and i've literally walked past individual creators there's publishers there's ad tech there's big kind of hosting platforms there's everything here and it's the first time I've ever seen the whole podcast ecosystem just come together in such an amazing vibrant way and for Spotify to be a headline sponsor of that I just couldn't think of like a better place really yeah I mean I'll, I'll admit I listen to all of my podcasts on Spotify yeah. so obviously it's really exciting to see the business design center absolutely packed with podcast providers and everyone in the audio industry you know so what does it tell you for the health of this industry right now 
I think it just kind of cements the growth that we have seen over the last two years. You know, I have seen this from the confines of my living room and I think, you know, being behind video calls and like feeling that buzz, but actually seeing that buzz here is amazing. And I don't think it's going to stop. Um, not to give you a stat, because I'm not the biggest stat person, but we saw from Q1 21 to Q1 22 an 80% growth in downloads in the UK alone and I think that that kind of growth in listeners and content was huge and I think now the ad market is like catching up and all I can see is just like the scale the accessibility and the potential growth is just going to continue well you know I love a stat but so what trends have you seen from the past year or so because I think you know, this has been three years in the making, I think. So yes. it would be a very, I think it would be a very different conference, you know, yeah. at that time. So what trends are you seeing at the moment? So I think, just to go back to my original point with the kind of growth of content, I think we've seen a massive acceleration in kind of that content. I think what we're seeing now is everything else that surrounds that ecosystem catching up. So the ad market, you know, you see here there's a lot of kind of ad tech and platforms there's a big focus back on like creator growth and like instead of just releasing a podcast like how do you do that in the most effective way possible once you have a podcast where do you put it how do you grow it like the focus on audience development so I think in terms of trends which it's becoming more of a professional ecosystem I think that traditionally everything was kind of in their own walled gardens everybody kind of kept their data I don't see that changing too much but I do think that data measurability attribution is so important the ecosystem kind of has to share and collaborate which is what I'm seeing at the event yeah and so where do you think we go from here you know for Spotify what is the future of podcasting I mean that's a big question (laughs) (laughs) I mean the future for me is the power of scale and I, I know that you know there is so much with the acquisition of the hosting platforms that we've made we're not solely just working on Spotify now we are working with third parties which does allow us to have that scale but the beauty of Spotify is that we have such a powerful platform that we can be really innovative with our you know our data that we have and providing um, ad solutions like streaming ad insertion where we can give much more data back to an advertiser we've just launched CTA cards so we can see people actually physically engaging and going through to a website which is huge from a podcast so we're kind of working within the ecosystem to kind of grow but then we're like being very refined and innovative on Spotify itself as well. Confirmation if you didn't already know it that Spotify are aiming to own the podcast world. Now as you've already heard podcasting is getting more and more complicated with multiple layers, formats, money swishing around and deals going on. So naturally, there were lawyers there to help everyone make sense of it. My name is Alexia Beda. I'm a lawyer at a boutique based out of New York called Claris Law. And I am lucky to work with uh, podcast production companies and independent producers and helping them through the, all the legal questions that come up in uh, creating a piece of content and putting it out into the world. I mean, that is a big job. It sounds like it's such, I feel like has this field is constantly growing people have more and more questions so you know what do you do exactly what does that involve and what are some of the big questions that you're always asked it'll really depend on on the client so if it's a production company it might be helping them negotiate the the terms of a deal with a host and that might look really different if it's based on something the host has already done based on a book but papering the deal with the host and then 
through production, all the questions that come up, if they want to use third-party music or third-party clips and do they need to license them, can they fair use them or fair, deal, fair dealing in the UK, uh, all through distribution agreements, agreements with platforms, networks, ad sales partners, if they're entering into first look deals with film TV producers, so really all of the questions that come from the development through production and distribution of a podcast. And so how has your role changed and adapt as the podcast industry has grown and changed and evolved? It's a good question. It's And that's why I think for lawyers, it's really fun to work in this industry because you're not just papering the deals, but as a lot of lawyers who've been doing this for a while have been growing up growing up professionally with the industry as well, your clients also look to you sort of in a business affairs capacity or to help them think about what their deals should look like and where the industry's going. And so you really have, I think, more of an opportunity as a lawyer in the podcast industry to be a thought partner in how your clients think about their business rather than just papering the deals in industries where there's less room to be creative as far as the business models are, are concerned. Yeah. So finally for me is what would be your top, should we say three tips for podcasters? It, uh, my top three tips for podcasters would be in terms of the deals you're making, think about where your product or your content is today, two years from today and five years from today and have agreements that reflect that. So think ahead in terms of your paperwork. That would be one. Think really clearly about the RSS feed. And even if if you're the production company, that's a great asset for you. But even as the creator, if you're not able to hold on control to it, then think about creative ways that you can continue to access it and have that conversation. It's a very valuable asset and it's a conversation that's worth having whatever side of the equation you're on. That would be number two. And number three would be to, to the extent that you have a, a podcast that is uh, investigative reporting or that's hard hitting in terms of the content, all the best practices that you can learn from other mediums, journalistic best practices, think of your content just as responsibly as you would if it was any other medium and um, and treat it that way to uh, to create content that uh, you know won't get you into trouble and also will going back to the point of IP if then you want to shop it around to film TV project no one's going to want to approach a podcast that's a huge liability so set yourself up for success by investing time and resources up front to report and develop your content responsibly. Back to famous people now, and science presenter Fran Scott is the host of The Robot Podcast for ABB. Izzy produces it, so they're really just mates now. We have just had our lovely Meet the Creators panel, and I'm here with Fran Scott. So, Fran, tell us about your podcast that you make with Fresh Air. Okay, um, so I am a small part (laughs) of uh, the Robot Podcast with ABB. So I present that, and the Robot Podcast with ABB is, um, I I love it, maybe I'm a bit biased, but um, it's basically about... 
ABB and ABB Robotics is a company that you may not have heard of but they affect every little bit of your life and the robots that they produce can affect your online shopping, your education, how things are built. So they do affect your world and in this podcast we sort of lift the lid on how they do that. So this is the first podcast that you've ever made. How have you found, you know, getting into the podcasting industry? I absolutely love podcasting. I've always had a face for radio. No, I've I've always loved audio only just because of the ease of it. So not just the, the laziness ease in terms of less time in makeup and all of that lot, but in terms of actually the content, the the words are so you know that is all you have you don't have animation you don't have pretty pictures of someone looking longingly at the sky you have the words and so you have to consider the words so carefully and it's where words are at the core of that communication and which means you've got to explain things in a way people understand and that's what I love about it and in essence it's it's just a nice chat and I can chat <laughs> so actually oh it's gone a bit quiet now because everyone's just everyone's just left to go do another speech so you know we're now going into series three as a robot podcast have you noticed a change series to series has your approach changed as you know we've progressed with this uh, my approach hasn't changed too much like I'm still still a very eager bunny <laughs> and in terms of doing the research around it my knowledge has changed about ABB, obviously. But what I have loved is in terms of our relationship and how you wholeheartedly trust what I do. And in terms of if I'm speaking with an expert and I can sense that they're not quite in the flow of it, you give me that freedom to be able to probe, to go slightly off script, to to ease the information out of them, to sort of shock them out of their PR response because we both know that's when we're going to get the best out of the expert. And so I suppose in terms of over the time, I've gained more and more confidence to be able to do that. And we're all gaining confidence as we go along. I hope you enjoyed that whistle-stop tour of the podcast show. It's only going to get bigger and we'll definitely be there next year. Hopefully you might be too. If you're interested in how Fresh Air could help make a podcast for you, your brand or your business, check out the website at freshairproduction.co.uk. And in the meantime, I'm Neil Cowling. That was Fresh Ears. Thank you for listening. Fresh Air.